0: Welcome to The Smith & Rowland Show. Let's join our hosts, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. It's another beautiful morning, and the reason it's so beautiful is because you've tuned in to the show that's changing the world. The Smith & Rowland Show. Hello, world. <laughs> ready you called me Burn. you caught me getting a swallow
1: of coffee hello world <laughs> hello, hello world. world all five of you hello that's exactly, world
0: that's exactly <laughs> right. our world is long
1: oh uh, well, we have picked up a little bit though Roland. we got some people out in Kansas City for some reason I think they like us, but they're into this negative relationship they like. Talk bad about us—that's—but right. you know, in this world, bad's good and good's bad. So we That's appreciate right. all of our mail from Kansas City area. That's exactly and, right. And those that—and our those precious that loved Phil. ones from Canada, we love them too. Yeah, we got some from Canada that love us. This is true. But I, you know, we're me and Roland are—I guess we're funny. We do appreciate all kind of mail, whether it be good, bad, or ugly. We're just glad somebody's paying attention, and we're glad we can stir you up to think a little bit. Absolutely. Roland, we got something else to stir up on this morning here. Yes, this is, we do. uh Dr. Michael Brown. I yep. don't know if we like him or if we don't like him. We sure talk about him a good bit.
0: And well, uh, you know what? what? it's like everything else. And I wish that we could get to this place. There's some things I disagree with him on, but there's some things that I firmly agree with him on. And there's it's that way with everybody. And if you find a point of disagreement with somebody, I don't mean that you throw them in the trash can and you can't have never have <laughs> nothing to do with them. Well, know? I would, I would hope not.
1: No, I mean, but that
0: seems to be the way things work in a lot of people's minds.
1: It is. I think that the differences is, is supposed to. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. I think we're supposed to debate each other, question each other. It's obvious we don't mind being questioned. I mean, I, the only one that I thought that. I thought I was an idiot was you, but now I found out there's more than you that thinks I'm an idiot. Yeah, and I'm the only one that has
0: proof. I'm the only one that has proof of it. I don't know why in the world. I know, know,
1: I don't know (laughs) not the problem is. <laughs> Dr. Brown, Jeff, in this article that Dr. Michael Brown wrote, what John Calvin got wrong, talking about Calvinism, got yeah. wrong about the restoration of the kingdom uh, to Israel. He yeah. says here, he starts off the first paragraph. I'll start and you can pick up. The book of Acts records that after the resurrection of Jesus, he appeared to the apostles over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That is Acts 1-3. This was in addition to the three plus years they had spent with him before the crucifixion, sitting at his feet and drinking in his word. Now it was time for him to leave the earth. So the apostles asked him in verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This seems like a perfectly legitimate question. And to me, it is, Jeff.
0: Yeah, it's a legitimate question. Uh, they were under the followers of Christ, had been schooled in Old Testament teaching. They had been schooled in what the prophets had foretold. They were looking for a kingdom to come to Israel and for the Messiah to set up that kingdom. And so, an earthly Jesus, kingdom. Yeah, an earthly kingdom. So, when Jesus is fixing to leave, naturally, they're wanting to know is now the time that you're going to establish the kingdom in, in Israel? Mm-hmm. And Alan, I think, you know, you could actually put an ending to this type of replacement theology thinking. You could put an ending to it by the way Jesus answered it. Because Jesus said to them after they asked the question, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. That's within the Father's power. So the very fact that Jesus didn't tell them your question is wrong. He didn't say you're looking for the wrong kingdom. He said right now. You need to concentrate on being endued with power by the Holy Spirit and preach the death, burial and resurrection. And that's what your mission is. And the father Mm -hmm. has placed the restoration of the kingdom to Israel within his power. And it's not for you to know those times or those seasons. By the answer that Jesus gave, I think it kind of puts a little capstone on this replacement theology type thinking. And uh, I don't know why it continues past Acts 1, 6, and 7. Uh I don't know why uh that you have a question past that, but many do. I understand, you know.
1: Many do. Well, it's, you know, your New Testament starts with the book of Matthew, of course, and the very first book. I mean, I'm sorry, the very first chapter and then the very first line in that chapter starts with the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, yes. the son of David and the son of Abraham. Well, we know about the Divinic Covenant and Abrahamic Covenant. Yeah. Abrahamic Covenant is basically about land. a Divinic Covenant talking about a king sitting on that land and ruling and reigning. So the disciples to ask that question was the only question they could ask because they knew about the Divinic. An Abrahamic covenant land, Abraham—that's real land. That's not land yeah, in your heart. That's, right. that's real land, yeah, and that's right. David—that's a real kingdom. So I think they asked a very legitimate question, Jeff. Well, on, and Michael, uh, when Brown, will
0: you restore this kingdom? Yeah, and Michael Brown goes on to say he said he had already spoken to them about his future coming to Jerusalem in Matthew twenty-four, Luke twenty-one, and Mark thirteen. If you if you study those passages, he's right. The Lord had yeah. spoken to them about the coming kingdom to Israel. So naturally, it would be a question. After his resurrection, he hung around, he taught about things pertaining to the kingdom for 40 days. So yeah, they're asking, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? So it is absolutely, I think, fundamental to understanding the rest of the New Testament to grasp the answer of Christ that he gave to the disciples when he said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons. That does Uh not indicate that there is never a literal kingdom coming, which was what their question was. It indicates that now is not the time that that literal kingdom is coming. Now is the time Mm -hmm. to preach the gospel. So anyway, you know, Michael Brown goes on to talk about that in the next paragraph. He says this, and he even said this to them on one occasion, talking about Jesus uh, in Matthew 19 28, truly, I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, that's, uh, it's pretty apparent through the teachings of Jesus that Jesus didn't believe in a replacement theology.
1: Well, (laughs) it's obvious that he believes that this is going to be a literal throne and a literal kingdom. Now, when we get to the verses that it's in your heart which we know that it does say that, that the kingdom of God is in your heart. Jesus said it to the woman at the well in different places. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be in your heart. Well, we understand that revelation of it being in your heart, but it doesn't exclude the fact that it's literally coming. Normally speaking, there is a reality of such, just like the United States. I mean, I'm an American, but it doesn't mean that for me to be an American, Jeff, it's of necessity that there be a literal America for me to be part of. And right. and so to have a kingdom of God, to have it in your heart, America's in my heart. Kingdom yeah. of God's in my heart. It, also yeah. nega- it, it says that, I mean, you're going to have a literal kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's just the way God does things. You have literal, and that usually gives a reflection of what's going on spiritually. But for some mm-hmm. reason, Christians have this thing when it talks about the spiritual side. For some reason, we want to say, well, it doesn't really mean the literal part. Right, you know, other than for some reason, they say, "Okay, we're going to do away with the literal," and that would be really, truly, because you've got the actual literal natural world running side by side with the spiritual world. So you definitely don't want to do away with
0: it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, not, what else well, does Brown say? Well, he goes into what John Calvin writes and has said about oh, this. Okay, what Calvin say uh, about it? Most everybody understands John Calvin is the father of Calvinism. Uh And according to John Calvin, the famed theologian commentator, he says they could not have been more wrong. And he was talking about the question the disciples asked. And here's the way he writes it. John Calvin says, he showeth that the apostles were gathered together when, as this question was moved, that we may know that it came not Of the foolishness of one or two that it was moved, but it was moved by the common consent of them all. But marvelous is their rudeness, John Calvin says, that when as they had been diligently instructed by the space of three whole years, they betray no less ignorance than if they had never heard a word. There are as many errors in this question as words. Oh, my goodness. So that's what John Calvin wrote. He went on to, to say, John Calvin says this. They ask him as concerning a kingdom, but they dream of an earthly kingdom, which should flow with riches and dainties, with external peace, with such like good things. And while they assign the present time to the restoring of the same, they desire to triumph before the battle, for before such time as they begin to work, they will have their wages. They are also greatly deceived herein, in that they restrain Christ's kingdom unto the carnal Israel, which was to be spread abroad, even unto the uttermost parts of the world. So their era, Michael Brown writes, their era then, according to Calvin, was failing to see that Christ's kingdom would extend far beyond the borders of Israel. And while that was true. And we know that Jesus said, you know, you're not going to be witnesses just right here, but it's going to spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. We do know that that part is true, but it was part of the messianic vision, Michael Brown writes in Jewish teaching as well. Namely, that with the coming of the Messiah to Israel, redemption would come to the nations. And that's true. That was prophesied. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. cites Isaiah 2, 1 through 4 as the example of that. Mm-hmm. Calvin also claims that they misunderstood the timing of God's plan, which was certainly a fair criticism, yet it is a mistake of which many prophets throughout the ages have been guilty. He quotes 1 Peter 1:10 through 12 in that. In no way did the apostles deserve Calvin's stern rebuke. Namely, they declared thereby how bad scholars they were under so good a master. And I agree with Michael Brown here that John Calvin is looking at this. He is looking at the question they ask through a perspective of replacement theology before he gets there. Mm -hmm. In other words, Calvin's Mm -hmm. idea that the church has replaced Israel precedes Calvin's reading of this passage, which we so often do. Instead of coming to the Word of God with an open mind and a a willing heart to receive what the Word of God says, we go to the Word of God with our opinions and try to make it match what our opinion is. And well, I think plus, Calvin- Jeff,
1: you have to admit, too, if what Calvin's saying is true there in the first part of Acts, I mean, the book of Acts covers 30 years, 30 plus years. So we see in the book, th- book of Acts at 30 years that it covers that the apostle Paul went to the Jewish synagogue first for 30 years. Now, when you get to Acts 28, 28, Paul cites Old Testament prophecy, and he says, Lo am I, they are not my people. There's a prophecy there. I think it is in Isaiah, perhaps, I think he says. And in that prophecy, it's given that God sets them aside for a little while. But that doesn't happen to Acts 28, 28. So if you're going to say replacement theology is true, biblically, it couldn't start until AD 30 or 32 yeah you have to, right. you'd have to start right. 30 years after that verse yeah, that's you know exactly. what i'm saying if if yeah, you're I, going to let I, yeah, that so. happen yeah. if they're going to be replaced it doesn't really happen until they're not set aside until acts 28 28 so exactly. uh it, it just well it just don't work it don't work. work biblically now, it does not work
0: now michael brown goes on to quote a messianic jewish scholar david stern okay and here's what okay. here's, here's what David gotcha. Stern says. He says, Yeshua's answer to his disciples' question as to whether he will now restore self-rule to Israel is, you don't need to know the dates of the times the Father's kept these under his own authority. From this we learn, contrary to the teaching of replacement theology, that the kingdom certainly will be restored to Israel. The only question is when, and that is not right. presently ours to know. The secret things belong to Adonai, and that's from Deuteronomy. Right the Lord. So the kingdom will be restored to Israel, contrary to what replacement theology says, and this is the paragraph I wanted us to talk about a little bit, okay. and then I'd like for us to talk about something else that's kind of uh, put something in my craw about it. But here, this is David Stern's comment on replacement theology. He says this, There is an ancient widespread and pernicious Christian teaching that the church is the new or spiritual Israel having replaced the Jews as God's people in this view known variously as replacement theology covenant theology kingdom now theology dominionism reconstructionism and in England restorationism God's promises to Israel were nullified when the Jews refused to accept Jesus In parentheses, he puts, never mind that all the first believers were Jews. Mm -hmm. He then says, this false theology, impugning the character of God by suggesting that he will welch on his promises, has provided apparent justification for many anti-Semitic acts in the church. It also lies behind most Christian protestations that the present-day regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel is without theological or biblical significance. Right. Now, I think that's a very accurate
1: Now, who said that? Now,
0: that's David Stern. He is a messianic Jewish okay. scholar. Here's a, a problem that I <laughs> have Alan, with replacement theology. If, in fact, you believe the church has replaced Israel, It so messes up your eschatology, your end times thinking, that it brings to mind what then is the true purpose for what we read in the book of Revelation. Because if the church has replaced Israel to harmonize that through the scripture, then all believing Christians would have to go through the tribulation period in order to make your replacement theology harmonize with all of the scripture. So, If you believe in replacement theology, you have to deny the rapture of the church. You almost, I would even argue, even though a lot of them don't, but I would argue that if you're going to embrace replacement theology, you about have to do away with the second coming of Christ and go straight to the new heaven and the new earth. I don't think that you can, it doesn't harmonize any other way with your own belief system is what I'm saying. If you embrace replacement theology. So I have a little Mm -hmm. bit of a problem with those that, and it's probably because, and I qualify it this way, maybe I don't understand their perspective on Revelation chapter 6 through 19, but I have a problem with Calvinists who embrace replacement theology on one part and then believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, which I believe in, on the other side. I don't know how you harmonize that. It just absolutely does not make any sense at all.
1: Well, plus in the after chapter four, basically after four, you don't even hear mention of the church anymore in the book of Revelation, Jeff. No. It goes strictly to the Jewish nation. Mm -hmm. So if it's been replaced, why is it talking about Israel? in most of the book of Revelation are definitely up through chapter four. After that, everything goes Jewish. It's all about Israel.
0: Yeah, even in the titles of Christ, Alan, in chapter 4, he's the Christ of the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's the one that was in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks. In mm-hmm. chapter 5, he becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah. Mm-hmm, and right. every title given to Jesus from their on is of he's his Jewish, Jewish descent. Right. So, that's I mean, right. I don't know how you can rectify and reconcile all of that with a replacement theology view.
1: Right, there's this, abs- I mean, it dis- just like you say, it doesn't, I like that term you used, it doesn't harmonize. So that, I think that's a good way to put it, a very good way to put it, it doesn't harmonize with the scriptures. It you know, makes the scriptures have a desonate chord in there somewhere, a yes. note. Something's <laughs> off. There's and, a big uh, discord,
0: that's right. There's a yep.
1: big discord, and one thing about the scriptures is they stay in harmony. And it, it does lose its harmonic balance, and that is one way that you can test the scriptures To see if what your
0: interpretation is, you know what I'm saying, is doing. Yes. it's The thing that that I don't understand here, and Michael Brown, I think, puts a cap on this in a great way. He says more recently, terms like fulfillment theology or expansion theology have been used with many Christian Mm -hmm. leaders finding the term replacement theology to be both misleading in terms of their own beliefs and negative in light of historic Christian Uh anti-Semitism. Either way, however, he says the end result is the same. Promises which were previously given to national Israel no longer apply to the Jewish people. We are told instead that they have been fulfilled in Christ are expanded to include all believers. And while there are beautiful, Jesus-exalting truths intermingled, Within various forms of replacement theology, the end result of all these theological expressions is the same. I
1: agree, yeah. And right.
0: he's, he's exactly right about that. Uh, I see, just, Jeff,
1: replacement theology is about one hiccup or one step from universalism, looks like to me. No, it would have to be. I mean, if everything is fulfilled in Christ and nothing else, if Christ, you know, if he replaces everything with Christ— I mean that's just that's a step away from universalism in that there is no hell, there is no yep. judgment, there is no wrath. And we all know if you read the book of Revelation, you cannot escape the fact, or even Daniel, you cannot escape the fact that the tribulation period is to purify the nation Israel. Yeah,
0: that's exactly it's what right.
1: it's it's what it's there for, is to purify and, the nation Israel.
0: And, and I'll be honest with you, I've heard people that argue well. Uh, you know they, they they describe a pre-tribulation rapture of the church as escapism, like we're trying to escape some kind of. Let well, me tell mark you me down. Mark me down. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and not only that, but I, I would say this: if you hold to replacement theology, I don't see how that you can say that God has been just and fair to the former state of Israel, as you would describe. That's it, right. Because they That's have right. suffered That's indeed right. hell on earth. Now all I of mean a hundred times.
1: Exist. Now boy, isn't that isn't that a note. Uh, yeah. his his article goes on to say, Jeff, which I I like this statement. He says God's call to Israel is irrevocable. Mm. Irrevocable. And that sounds like my God. I don't know about that. Yeah, boy, you, that's right. right.
0: Yeah. That sounds right.
1: just like uh,
0: in the first statement of that paragraph, Alan, it speaks to where we are now with the war in Israel and so much protest about go ahead. It. here's what he says. Go ahead, and consequently. Read it. He says it is no surprise that Christians today who tend to be the most critical of the state of Israel are those who hold to one form or another of replacement theology. Well, I'll
1: just say amen, right there's all I and, and
0: he's just exactly right. I mean, you can date that back to Hitler, and we've discussed that in the past, but that was a form of replacement theology what Hitler does. So he goes on to say, conversely, it is those Christians who recognize that the same God who scattered Israel is also in the process of regathering his ancient people to the land who recognize the degree to which Satan himself is trying to wipe them out.
1: That's right.
0: That's a pretty big statement. I certainly agree with that statement. Well,
1: Romans eleven eleven it says blindness in part has happened to the nation Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. So it says God is the one that blinded them. Yeah, that's right. God, God blinded him, showed that this mystery and secret. Jeff, if you don't make a distinction in prophecy and mystery, you're going to be confused like this. You got to make that's that exactly distinction, right. honey. I'm sorry as I can be. That's
0: exactly right.
1: I try that's to get around that exactly statement, right. but you got to make a distinction between prophecy, which is known Bible, and mystery of the church, which is not been revealed to the apostles and prophets in the time of past. <clears throat> That's exactly right. And if you can't make that distinction, you're going to come up with this type of thinking.
0: It'll lead you to that place. And mm-hmm. uh, Michael Brown finishes this article by saying, we can emphasize that in Jesus, we are all equals without class system or even caste system. He says, and we can call for justice and equity for both the Israelis and their Palestinian neighbors, yeah. but let us not do it at the expense of God's covenantal promises to Israel. Romans 11, 28, 29 says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs for God's gifts and his call are, are irrevocable.
1: irrevocable. There you go.
0: That's Bible. That's word of God. You cannot deny it. replacement theology. I've, I've heard one great preacher that I have great admiration and respect for. He's dead and in heaven now. But he said it this way. He said, replacement theology is the greatest blasphemy that could ever be preached. It is wow. calling God a liar. And wow. I have to agree with that. Wow. That's so I, out. I had a conversation with my son. Hadn't been. Uh, it's been back four or five months ago and i told him i said whatever you do do not fall prey to replacement theology type thinking it denies scripture it denies god and if we can't trust what god promised to israel how can we trust what god has promised to us
1: amen all right
0: brother jeff
1: this is a a hot topic that's out there and i'm sure people will love us for it and People will withhold their Christmas gifts because they don't agree with us. But
0: just keep all the cards
1: and letters and get Christmas gifts coming.
0: Yeah, and most people are going to understand the intelligence and eloquence with which we orate this argument and how we have (laughs) subjugated the English language. (laughs) They will know know beyond the shadow of a doubt all truth. (laughs) Comes from the Smith and Rowland show.
1: That's exactly right. You know what, Jeff, and all the feedback we get from everybody, I am glad you do start our show off with that and end it with it quite often. I'm so glad you do because nobody else is saying it. (laughs) So I sure do appreciate it. That
0: is true.
1: If you didn't say it, it wouldn't get
0: said. So I thank you very much. That's That's right. right. You're welcome. You're. I'm just here to serve and be a blessing. (laughs) Jeff, say bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith & Rowland Show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrowlandshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.